Coming up with the glue guys today, we will dive into which possible third star would fit the best with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. This is part one of a two part special diving into this specific topic and many of our pods coming out in the next few weeks will actually also focus on the big third star debate. So stick with us. Oh yeah. Today's episode of the glue guys is brought to you by remarkably remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at go to meeting all about making work from home work for you with indispensable Intel on how to stay sane, motivated and productive at home. We're here here to help you in this brave new remote working world find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app you can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips that's gotomeeting.com slash tips Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, hello. Brian. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. By the way, Brian. Mike. For anyone out there that does not have a subscription to The Athletic, you can go to TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. Get 40% wow. off wow. a yearly subscription to The Athletic. This is the time to do it because... Just tons of content flying at your face that you're not getting anywhere else. It's a beautiful place to be. Brian, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. You know, all things considered. Uh, but yeah, things are going well. Just another day in the life. Just another. I watched the movie yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't know what that movie is. Is that? Do I know? Do people know what that um, movie is? It, so it came out last year. It's a movie. The premise is there's this struggling singer songwriter who gets into an accident at a time when the world blacks out. And when he wakes up, barely, almost everyone in the world has forgotten about the Beatles. Wow. So he he plays Beatles songs and takes them as his own. Wait, why, becomes, why did they black out? They just blacked out? Yeah, it's just the, the world blacked out. Does this they feel like go when, into why. Did you hear that Jared Leto had like his cult and they were like, I forget where they they were in like Papua New Guinea or something, wherever his cult is. And during the Corona thing and he came back and he had they, would, they had disconnected. They were off the... Off the uh, grid. And he, so was like, he and he was like, what is going on? <laughs> what, is, what, what is all this? He has like 50 people in a cult that they all like wear white robes. And it's like truly like a 70s style or 60s and 70s style cult. Um, I forget where it was, but you, you didn't see this? Jared Leto. No, it's a good cult. no. Solid cult. I, I, I recommend it. Check it out. I, I, I haven't like actually Google filtered out Jared Leto news, but I don't get a lot of it, which I'm happy about. No. Do you go Leto or Leto? Are you a Leto guy? I've heard Leto. It should be Leto, though, shouldn't it? Like, if we're really honestly. Anyways, Brian, Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> man. Mike, Mike we uh, buried the lead again. We did it. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. You, yeah. I, I am technically also a podcast producer. And one thing I do tell my, my hosts, it's like, you know, chit chat's great, but like, no one wants to hear about coronavirus life. Like, people generally don't. You know, it's not like we're, everyone wants to escape. And this is an escape, Brian. This pod. We're going into fantasy land today. What we will do is present forward the most ideal basketball fit for a third star. And when we're talking about a third star, we're talking about a player that will play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, 
There's many different directions we're going to go. We're going to go kind of into most realistic and also furthest away from realistic. And this will be kind of a running series for the next few weeks because this is the thing that everyone wants to talk about. Uh, based on the Twitter interactions, people people are shaking you down for this episode, for these episodes, <laughs> Mike. Um, I've never seen anyone so hostile about about the content, but um, you know, here we are, such as such as life in Corona. Um, yeah. So yeah. today will be most ideal, but going forward, we we've already kind of sketched out a few episodes, but we're gonna then do a pod. We're gonna rank on the Nets trade assets in the way that we like to do it, anyways, and also then compare the Nets' trade packages that the Nets could offer compared to the rest of the NBA teams looking to make a big deal. We'll do most realistic trade possibilities in one episode. We'll do most disappointing possible trades the Nets could make in the preceding or the following episodes. And then we'll do like a best role player depth piece acquisition, what I'm calling the Brooke Lopez pod, what the Bucks got out of Brooke Lopez. Uh, maybe the Nets could find that too. And then there's a special episode, which I won't even deign to say right now because people get so triggered big that secret, they do not want to hear it. Big secret episode. Um, Mike, so for today's one, though, we're doing the most idealistic just in terms of basketball fit. Is that correct? I mean, that's, cor- that's correct. Because basically everyone's on the on. We've decided that everyone's on the board with the exception of pretty much LeBron and Steph Curry for this. I mean, is that fair to say? Like, we just we didn't want to go that pie in the sky because that's not that's not useful for anybody. But like there are reasons for pretty much everybody else on the list just to have a conversation about at least at the very least a glance right. at. So basically, like Zion Wil- Williamson wouldn't be on this list. They're like the Nets could trade for Zion. Like, I guess in some fashion or sense, you could overwhelm the Pelicans for a Zion offer, but like that also. So you're right. It's that cushy center of guys who are all stars and are on their second contracts and are available, but that aren't LeBron. I would say AD is off the list too, right? Anthony Davis, even though he technically could be a free agent, the Nets could sign him, right? He's off the list. I think I if, if you could make a straight faced argument for any of these, like, I mean, we'll, we'll challenge each other here. But if there's something that's just like, that seems ridiculous, like we, we've already kind of agreed off camera, off pod that, you know, <laughs> on some of those names that should just not be mentioned in this. We made a virtual handshake yeah. and <laughs> you were, you and I are men of ethics. Yes. Of anything. That's, that's true. what we've always, cause it's no. so, okay. I, just before we get going, I kind of want to, I've been teasing this out, but I, I've had, the, I have this Google doc, a, a Bible of information about the Brooklyn Nets and trade possibilities. And I think it's important to at least explain to people what the Nets could possibly do. And the origins of this Google doc was when we were thinking about whether the Nets should tank. Because they had a particularly nasty string of losses, and this was like after that, after Christmas, the eggnog slog, if you will. <laughs> and thank you, well, I uh, just thought of that now. Yeah, finally, I could tell it was good. Um, and so, like, we were debating should the Nets tank because if the Nets did not make the playoffs, they would get their own first round pick back, which would have been in the in the lottery, and then it would have been like the tenth pick with the potential to move up to number three or something or four and could have been pretty valuable to have, even though this draft is not quite that valuable. But we now know no matter what is going to happen, even if the NBA season comes back, it's if it comes back at all, there will unlikely be any regular season play. And if it, and if it comes back right into the playoffs, the Nets are in the playoffs. They are the seventh seed. And the Nets are going to lose their pick no matter what. They, they There won't be enough games to be played in the regular season if there is a regular season for the Nets to get knocked out of the playoffs in some way. Mm-hmm. The Nets are in. So everyone, if everyone wants to feel good about something, we did it. the Nets are in the playoffs. We did it, guys. We did it. 
Better seed than uh, last year too, right? We're in seventh here, yeah. 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 So improvement. In, in improvement. So every all those D'Angelo lovers and Kyrie heaters, time to eat that golden crow, okay? Better seed than last year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they were. The what? Nets weren't the eighth seed last year, were they? Oh yeah, wait, we were. They were seed? also the seventh seed or the sixth seed. We were I the think they were the sixth seed. Oh, so Lord. we're worse. Oh gosh. <laughs> Never mind. Now I'm eating crow. Okay, so here's just the very, very basics, and then Brian and I are going to get into most ideal third star trade possibilities. The very basics are, as everyone knows, so the Nets have their own, not they don't have their own first round pick this year, but they have the 76ers pick, which is currently tied for the 19th overall pick with what would have been Indiana's, but will be Milwaukee's. Both Indiana and Philly have the same record, and if the season ended today, which is quite a possibility, and the, the NBA went straight into the playoffs there would be some kind of coin flip to determine who got the 19th pick and who got the 20th pick. The team who would get the 19th or 20th pick is between Boston, who has Philly's pick, and the Bucks, who have the Pacers pick, which is part of the Malcolm Brogdon trade. So that that trade itself, I remember on draft night last year when the Nets traded, I think it was with the Clippers, it was the Nets' first-round pick that was someone else's and that they flipped to the Clippers to get Philly's first-round pick for this year. And that was part of the Tobias Harris trade originally. And I was not optimistic that that was going to be a good trade because I thought Philadelphia was going to be really good this year. Well, it turned out they were not that good. So the Nets ended up getting either the 19th or 20th overall pick for a pick that would have been in the 20s last year. Pretty good trade by Sean Marks. Another like nice little nugget. And I'd rather have a first round pick this year than last year. So not because of the trade, not because of the drafts any better. I just like to, you want to continue to have that asset out into the future and that's what they did. They rolled it over and gave themselves cap space and also gave them flexibility. So the Nets have the Sixers first round pick, which is either 19 or 20. The Nets have then all of their first round picks going into the future. So they have a bevy of, of draft picks. They also have, of course, the names that we all know. Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, Jared Allen. And then if you want to go down to the, down even further, John and Moose and Nick Claxton, you know, Theo Pinson is not a trade asset at all but they have first round picks to give they have carousel vert which would be the crown jewel of their trade arsenal though some would argue spencer dinwiddie be would be just as delicious Mm -hmm. to have on a team yes uh and then like the next level down is like torian prince and jared allen i think jared allen is probably the higher trade asset still because torian prince is not did not light the world on fire as a brooklyn dead he was fine but wasn't amazing yeah do you want to throw Joe Harris's name in that, or is his contract expiring because you don't want to add him for that reason? Yeah, he can't. He could. So maybe we. Joe Harris is important to bring up, and I'm glad you did because it's like the Nets could re-sign him, and then he could be in a trade, you know, a year down the line, or you know, he could be in a trade at some point. I mean, technically, if he gets re-signed, he could be in a trade within what is it like 60 days of the season starting. There's that point in the season when everyone in the NBA could then get traded. Sure, he he could be a part of the trade, but most likely this I mean, I don't know if this trade's gonna happen this offseason or if it will happen during next season, whenever that may be. But yeah, Joe Harris could potentially be a trade asset. But the basics for the numbers that people need to know, if you combine the Levert salary, Torian Prince's salary, and Dinwiddie's salary, it ends up being about forty one million dollars, mm-hmm. meaning that they can get anyone in the NBA essentially with those three players. The salaries work immediately. If you add Jared Allen, it gets a little bit bigger. If you take out Spencer Dinwiddie and it's just Levert, Torian Prince, and Jared Allen, that's $34 million. That's Beal, McCollum, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, 
uh, anyone below that level, which is like Oladipo or Ben Simmons. So uh, the Nets can do what they, the Nets have primo flexibility. They can do whatever they want and make any trade possible work. There isn't it isn't that hard for the Nets to figure out a trade that would work. And all those guys in any trade, if we're saying the four most tradable players, not just assets, but are Levert, Turian Prince, Dinwiddie, or Jared Allen, those are all like positives. None of those are negatives. Like they aren't guys that you have to tr- put into a trade that will decrease the value of what you're sending out. Torian Prince to me is the only guy yeah. who, if I was another team, I'd be like, why do I want him? Yeah. You know? If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You can also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Let's begin yes. with our beautiful little list. Could you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to start from one to wild card, or do you want to go three to one, then wild card? Uh, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to go. Or you want to go two wild card, one, let's go my, Let's go best fit and work backwards from that. Do you, okay. Do you want to do that? Yeah. Who Whom is your best fit? So me, this is very... This is a weird one. It's going to be a tricky fit, but I think it has the highest ceiling in terms of like it just being a seamless transition into perfect basketball, ancient alien geometry, Michael. <laughs> and that's the 23-year-old point-forward phenomenon, Ben Simmons, of your wow. Philadelphia 76ers. I've been talking about this on the stream, so Matt Brooks has like, you know, been planting the seed in my head. Um, and I think I've thought about it enough that I totally fundamentally agree with it because – uh, I mean, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are uh, your offense, like, full stop. There's not much room to insert a high-volume scorer with that with that biumvirate in there, um, unless they do something very different from what those two guys do, which, in my opinion, Ben Simmons, basketball-wise, is maybe the, the highest-value sort of star-tier complementary player you could possibly put around those two guys. Now, there's a bunch of questions there. Does Ben Simmons, a former number one overall pick, want to be a complimentary player at, at 23 years old to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? I don't know. I don't know. There's there's a lot there. But um, I think that the way that I envision a Ben Simmons incorporated offense is it makes a lot of sense for now you have this giant guy who can lead a fast break really well, try his hand at starting a really fast offense, and then when it if it falls apart, if it doesn't work out, then we have like an amazing half court offense in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to to shore that up, and he gets to do the thing that he naturally does well, which is just park it in the dunker spot and benefit from those guys operating the half court. It's a version of what 
the 76ers already do, but there isn't any conflict there because, you know, like last year it was really working well for them when they had a second ball handler in Jimmy Butler who could just finish off those plays in the half court. They didn't have that this year, and he started those those blemishes started to really reveal themselves, and people I know 76ers fans started to really dislike Ben Simmons, and now there's become a bit of a uh, civil war there with Embiid defenders and Simmons defenders, and I just think that there's also it's potentially a very gettable player. Maybe I don't know if they decide that this thing isn't working out, and you know there's a whole big turnover with Brett Brown and so on and so forth. I feel like that's a team that is on the combustible spectrum in a way that maybe some of these other star players aren't. So Simmons didn't even make my list of wow. top three and then wild card, but. So here's like the pro Simmons take, and I and I love what you had to say. The pro Simmons take is that like defensively adding him into the mix would be a nice jolt because he could. I didn't with even talk Durant, about the defense. You're right. The defense is also he's like a you know very good defender. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Like Kyrie, not a good defender. Yeah, the, and like you can go, you could say, oh, he's better than what people assume Kyrie Irving is. He's not a good defender, but Simmons is like probably the second most unique defender in the NBA, third most behind Giannis and Kawhi, which is like he can guard a point guard, a wing, and then could be on a big, and it wouldn't be like that. No one would be like stressed about it if he was guarding Clint Capella for a couple of stretches. Like that mm-hmm. wouldn't bother anyone. He just couldn't guard Anthony Davis. Yeah. Or I don't think he could. Well, so like yeah. defensively, I love an insertion, and I think this team – some of my guys are really bad on defense. Probably all my guys are really bad on defense. So, like, I don't know why I'm even saying this. But it would be nice if they had a guy who had, like, a unique defensive talent to throw into the mix. My issue with Simmons, which is the issue that the Sixers are dealing with, is, like, okay, so on the floor for most of the game is going to be Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant. And then you're going to have to have a center because still Durant isn't going to play center. And defensively, Simmons... You're actually depriving him of his uniqueness if you put him at center. So then it's DeAndre Jordan at center for the most part. And then let's say there's the fourth guy, whether it's Joe Harris or Torian Prince or whoever is left on the team at that point. Wilson Chandler may be starting by that time. So then your offense is going to have Kyrie KD, which is great. A wing who is Prince or Chandler, which is fine. Then it's DeAndre and Ben Simmons. And then it's like if Ben Simmons isn't controlling the ball all the time, I think optimal Ben Simmons is control the ball all the time guy who's then shoot, putting it out to shooters all around the floor. So I think with, with regards to that, like I, I, I would just play Ben Simmons at the five on defense and just be like, deal with it, you know, <laughs> to a certain <laughs> level, because like, or you could run some like pretty nifty zone defenses with, with him sort of trolling the paint um, and, and working the wings. Like I think you could devise a situation in which DeAndre Jordan still comes off the bench and you're pretty much running Durant and Simmons at the four five, but I'm like using my big air quotes here because in this world here, you're playing truly, you know, not non-positional basketball here. Um, and it would require a whole lot of actual, like interesting basketball strategy, finesse work here to make this truly click. But I just feel like that's the kind of like, that's the kind of oddball team that could like really, uh, click in a weird way. Because like I think I was gonna say in crunch time I think it could definitely work right and like it's weird because crunch time is when it matters but it's also like you have another forty four minutes within a game that you have to manage and massage and you may end up having like a really inefficient lineup at times but like I do think like so like if Durant is fully healthy 
He's never been a center his entire career. You wouldn't you would not want him to be a center. But defensively, he could legitimately cover a, a basket pretty well and defend a basket pretty well. And then you would have Simmons there as a second blocker or guy to switch on to other bigs. And then your team, if your Simmons your only non-shooter in your lineup, that would be awesome. If you have Kyrie KD, Torian Prince, Joe Harris, and then Simmons, offensively, you'd be amazing. You would be almost unstoppable because Simmons would become your pick and roll man, literally where he's setting the pick and rolling as opposed to being the main ball handler. And then if he gets the ball on a pick and roll where he's at a certain spot on the floor, he's he would be like... You, you wouldn't be able to stop that because he'd be so uniquely skilled. But I would worry about the lack of shooting, which is always going to be kind of yeah. his problem until he figures out how to shoot the ball. And that's why he sort of has to play this weird one slash five hybrid thing. Um, and also I'm sort of wondering, like, what is the long term value in like investing super heavily? Like you can have your down to Jordan be your utility five, you know, in a pinch, like if you're playing a Joel Embiid or, or whoever. But like that really gravity pulling post player archetype is sort of on its way. It's still there's still versions of it. And I think they're like really effective versions of it. Obviously, Anthony Davis is like sort of the the arc, the, the premier version of it. Um but you don't see a ton of it on a night-to-night basis. Like it, it can get pretty, you can get pretty deep in the playoffs without encountering one of those players. Yeah, and I think so. You kind of brought up this point earlier in your dissertation about Ben Simmons. It's like <laughs> it's it is who who does he want to be at this mm, point? Yeah, like then there's that. Okay, because he's so you can look at it in two different sides. He's been on a, a very successful team early on in his career when he's super young. But there has not been a unique fit, and the Tim the team is not formatted around his skill set. No matter how great it may be to play with Embiid, it's still not formatted around his skill set. Okay, so does he in fact actually want to go to a team, which is what we've seen classically over the history of the NBA, which is like I'm a disgruntled young star, I have a ton of talent, I want my own team to go to. Maybe that's the Sixers, and he's like, get Embiid out of here. And if I'm the Sixers, I would you would have to kind of choose still Embiid over Simmons or is it to like flip Ben Simmons to like New Orleans or another team and be like, Ben Simmons is basically your team. Now you go full head, full head of steam. You do like mini Giannis and see what you can become. Or is Ben Simmons decide, you know what? My future is almost never going to be the best player on a team. He's not going to say this, but do I want to be like super Rodman or, some version of Scottie Pippen or, or just you know, a, a really tall Rajon Rondo. That's sort of, that's sort of like, like a super tall. Yeah. yeah Rajon Rondo, which is intriguing. Yeah. You know, like if he's comfortable with, with being a diminished player on offense, if he's comfortable with being a third banana, you know, um, which I've never really understand. I'm sure there's some reason for the beginning of the third banana phrase. I why, why just the third banana? There's, I love all, I love all bananas, but, um, like if he's comfortable with like being in that role and cause he could be Draymond, like he essentially could be right. a better offensive version that, but not as good defensively, but he could be Draymond green basically. And he could be that in Brooklyn. It's just, does he want to do that? I think he's still too young and too aspirational to want to be Draymond green, which is like a hall of fame player, but it's a different Hall of Fame player from what he probably envisions himself to be. I'll say this too. I think it's it's easier to be young and aspirational on a on Kevin Durant's team than like looking across the aisle and the other sort of leader on the team is a guy that's basically brought in at the same time as you. You kind of like grew 
at the same time, you know, um, I feel like probably Ben Simmons sees Joel Embiid as much more a peer than someone to like as a, than, than a leader. Um, and maybe that's like, I don't know what his relationship with Jimmy Butler was. I'm assuming Jimmy Butler, you know, was, you know, probably didn't like, probably didn't like him. It seems like Jimmy Butler really liked Embiid, really got along with Embiid and Simmons. It wasn't that he didn't like him, but it was just like, it it didn't offer anything. There wasn't like a connection there. It is hard to like, like a 22 year old though. Just like a random, if you're like, (laughs) (laughs) have you been to Williamsburg? It is horrific. Um, just kidding. Shout out to all you 22 and unders on the fans of the show. Love (laughs) you guys. Um, but um, yeah, so there there is going to be like a shouts to twenty two and unders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's going to be a weird you. reckoning for Ben Simmons because like the the reality is though like until he adds a whole bunch of stuff to his game, like he he needs to begin to start thinking of himself as that kind of complimentary player, a star complimentary player. Draymond Green. There's way worse things to be in this world than someone who's lauded as the, maybe the best defender in basketball and you know a you know cornerstone of a hugely successful dynasty team and and i'll say one last thing on simmons and then we'll hop to the yeah. next person simmons was your number one or three Where he, he's my number to? one for like i think it's for me it's uh i can just i see the basketball geometry working out neatly you know yeah, i can just see a play from start to finish the narrative of it flowing very nicely yeah and i so it's it, what's weird is that like i love Kyrie. KD and Simmons together it's just then the what other piece like it's the other pieces that would fit around them the other two guys on the floor like I love though because like Kyrie and KD are two of the best shooters in the NBA of course they should be playing with Ben Simmons so then like the center you want isn't DeAndre Jordan and it isn't even John Jared Allen it's goes back to like the Brooke Lopez archetyped which is just a big dude who can shoot threes even though Brooke wasn't that great at shooting threes this year but you would want James Wiseman, who's coming out on the draft. You just want one guy who, if he's open from three, it's going to be like a 35% chance that he'll go in. And if it's a 35% chance, that's, you know, league average. As a center, that's above average for a center. Um, And you said this about Simmons, and I really like this thought. The good thing about Simmons is that it seems like his trade value, though we don't know, but it is lower than it should be, right? A guy that young, that productive, People should be dying to get Ben Simmons, and you kind of hear those whispers of like a Simmons Dinwiddie f- swap, where like it's the Nets throw in a couple first round picks, or they throw in you know another like Jared Allen, probably not even Jared Allen, because I'm sure the Sixers don't want Jared Allen, but the Nets throw in something else. So then it's like Dinwiddie plus two picks for Ben Simmons. And if you're telling me I love Spencer Dinwiddie, of course I love Spencer Dinwiddie, but if you're telling me I can get Ben Simmons, a talent like Ben Simmons for that. It becomes really attractive. I like the idea of buying low on super productive, super young guy who's locked into a five-year deal. That's quite appealing to me. And so just as this is very qualitative research, but you're right to say that the the Sixers fans are weirdly horny for Spencer Dinwiddie. I've noticed that that's been a thing that I've seen. They, they, he is, I mean, he kind of feels like a Philly guy to a certain extent too, just like Spencer's, Spencer's. (laughs) That's not a compliment. And also on the flip side of that, I think his, his, his value, Ben Simmons' value is, is lower than it should be because the success of the meme that he can't shoot threes. I mean, that was, that is like on, on every Instagram you know, come playoff time, Instagram is trolling Ben Simmons nonstop. And I'm wondering if that has like a general, like, 
you know, cascading effect into the minds of, of everybody involved in basketball. It'd be like, well, it's got a huge problem, you know, a big massive red flag on Ben Simmons is he can't shoot threes. Like, I feel like that could help us in the long run, Mike. Yeah, so I think my whole grand scheme theory, and I'm probably going to say this on every trade possibility pod that brings up Ben Simmons, is I still think the Sixers are going to target firing their coach before they make the move to trade someone like that has just been the move in the NBA. Yeah. You, you like what we just saw with the Nets, you fire your coach before you end up trading the two stars that you, you, you have in your roster. You hope a new voice, a new mind can come in and fix the situation. The the situation with the Sixers was bad this year. It was ugly at times. The fans were booing them. You know, there's that Nets game that we watched the Nets Sixers game where the the Nets were up by like 30 points in the first half and the Sixers fans were booing. Well, the Sixers came back and won that game, of course. But it's like this team, the players on the team, the management level and the fans are all at a state of like there's something that's going to happen. Now the season being suspended, you know, we don't know. Like maybe that completely changes and impacts whether the Sixers do decide to move on from Brett Brown. I think it's more likely they fire Brett Brown than trade Ben Simmons, but I think I've just convinced you of the Ben Simmons of the wisdom of the Ben Simmons deal, Mike. In this conversation, I feel like he's closer to the top of your list than you ever thought he would be at this moment. Well, I, I, think, I see the way that you're tugging it, on your lip, thinking about it. If if you're telling me I can, I can get Ben Simmons and not give up Karis LeVert, mm-hmm. like not even saying that I would love to see Karis LeVert with Ben Simmons, KD, and Kyrie, but like if I could get Ben Simmons and not give up the, the big trade chip that I have, which is Karis LeVert. That is intriguing. And like, that's the thing we're not really touching on in this quite yet. But I think it's like from a value perspective, like the guys I'm going to mention, my number one guy is Carl Anthony Towns. Wow. Whoa. Swinging for the fences. And the amount you have to give up for Carl Anthony Towns, I think is going to be insane because it's all of those. It's every one of them. Plus all the picks. It's Levert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie. I guess Torian Prince, if the Wolves would want him, and it would be four first-round picks. Honestly, four, because the Paul George trade and the Anthony Davis trade has so forever shifted the balance of superstar trades, at least right now in this moment, that, like, if you look at, let's look at the Anthony Davis trade as a kind of a guidebook here. They gave up, how many was it? Five first-round picks. It was three first-round picks, including four overall the number four overall pick that the Lakers had last year, plus Ingram, Lonzo, Ball, jo- and Josh Hart. So what is Ingram as good as Karis LeVert? Now he is, and now he's better. But like at the time, people were pretty down on Ingram. Lonzo, is he better than Spencer Dinwiddie? Well, Spencer's way better than Lonzo, but Lonzo was still young and could be believed to have this asset. And again, the Lakers are trading number four overall. They were trading this like really valuable pick, which the Nets will never be able to give up draft capital equaling in value to number four overall pick. So like AD cost Ingram ball, Josh Hart and three first round picks, including four overall. If I would say Carl Anthony Towns on a four more years of his contract, because that's what he has. He has four more seasons on this deal with no outs. There's no player option. So Carl Anthony Towns, as young as he is and with it, that contract is more valuable than Anthony Davis is throughout the entirety of the league with Anthony Davis's contract situation. More people will be going after Carl Anthony Towns. The reason why AD's trade package was so large was because the Pelicans knew that the Lakers were really the only team that could trade for him and maintain him, but the Lakers also knew 
that if they got AD, they get him for the rest of his life. So they were motivated to make this deal, knowing that they have that security as well. So Towns is going to cost an awful lot. You know, we would be Levert, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, bunch of first round picks. But I think if you got Carl Anthony Towns on your team and you're rolling out a lineup, it would be a grumpy lineup. It would be grumpy. This is a grumpy lineup. Kyrie, Katie, and Carlton Towns, you could pick any two. It could be Wilson Chandler. You would probably pay Joe Harris in this situation because you would just be like, this is our team. Torian Prince would probably still be like, just put any wings out there who can shoot above average three-point percentage, who maybe play some defense, and you're good. You're going to win. I think you're going to win a championship at least. Like I, that, that to me was what Carlton Towns represents because offensively, he is a mother effing beast, okay? And defensively, sure, this team would be bad on defense. But I think Towns would be able to actually kind of zoom in a little bit more on defense because it wouldn't be so much on him offensively. And at any time during the game, you're going to have two of these guys on the floor, Towns, KD, and Kyrie. And I think KD and Towns could even play off each other offensively. And then if you have Kyrie playing off of Kevin Durant or Kyrie playing off of Towns, it's like... It's just the offensive firepower would be almost unprecedented in modern NBA. It would be higher than LeBron, Wade, Bosch, Heat. It would be as good, potentially, as the Warriors lineup because that would offer real power than when the Warriors lineup only really had, like, fantastic shooting. I would just I, – I, I would personally offer – Everything the Nets have to get Carl Anthony Towns on four more years of his contract. I mean, that's a big move, Mike. You're really changing the DNA of the team to be this full-blown offensive monster. And I don't disagree with you that that becomes like a true true blue three-headed monster of a of a 2010s Heat era. Um, I'm trying to think of like basketball, like geometry-wise, that defensive liability in in this sort of broader metagame is something that's like a Milwaukee's buck team can exploit, but like hard to argue with the fact that like that just makes us so offensively talented that like you can't just steamroll a whole bunch of teams. Um, the only thing is I think with regards to this is you're at the very fringest top and I, and I'm not, I'm, this isn't a dig. Okay. This isn't, oh, this feels is like a dig. <laughs> this isn't a dig. That's at the like very tippy top of realisticness. I think we're, we're just, we're pressing our face up against the glass ceiling here. <laughs> you can see your breath um, with that trade package. Um, is, yes, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you because the, so Carthy Towns, the Timberwolves would have to see D'Angelo Russell Carthy Towns for a year before they get Towns, right? And I think there's some level of urgency with the Nets, like. The Nets will, as Brian Winhurst has said on his pod, as many other NBA reporters have said before him, the Nets are targeting to make a big swing this offseason. And the problem with Towns is that the timeline to get him is at least next offseason, unless if he comes out right now and says, I'm done with being in Minnesota, I want to be traded. And, it, it, you know, there's a chance that could happen, but he just gotten D'Angelo Russell who knows, you know, what what any player feels at this moment in this moment that's been happening with COVID-19. So, yes, I admit that we are right at the glass ceiling <laughs> of possibility. Mm -hmm. But I I it is a possibility only because Towns is of course from New Jersey. 
and he's been rumored to come to the Brooklyn Nets before. Not come to Brooklyn Nets, but like the Nets are rumored to be a team interested in him before. And you could paint a picture of the Mm -hmm. Nets going and like, you know, tampering, I know is illegal in the NBA, but tampering does happen. And we've seen crazy stuff before. We saw Paul George traded when we didn't think he would get traded. We saw Anthony Davis complain for a year until he get traded to such a degree that like the Pelicans, a team that has nothing had to give up on Anthony Davis, a guy who was their whole franchise. So there's a possibility that Towns feels a different way about something and says, you know what? I can just tell this Minnesota thing. I am done with it. And my defensive thing on, on Towns for a second is I think what is interesting is that so like everyone has this high expectation of Towns defensively because of how athletic he is and how big he is and that like he was pretty good defensively in Kentucky though I don't think it's that hard to be like a good defensive player in college if you're that talented what what the Nets could just simply do is lower expectations and literally by lowering the place where he is on the floor the Bucks have had like a really great success and a lot of other teams have too with they don't have their big men flash on defensive pick and roll situations. They have him drop back and just guard the paint and just stay down below. And with Towns, I'd almost just have him do that. Be like, don't work so hard. Don't worry about switching, about being this guy, big guy who's like trying to stay on top of everything because that is his potential. Just protect the hoop. Just be big. Brooke Lopez defense, protect the hoop. But don't worry about anything else because that's all, you know, maybe the the Nets would need to ask of him because the rest of their team could maybe handle. A I'll load. say but I, you're, one yeah. last logistical concern for the trade too is is the presence Please. of D'Angelo Russell. They just make this trade for his best best big buddy in the whole <laughs> wide world, and uh, they have not played together much. And um, I think that they might want to take a look at that for to your point, you know, at least another year. So yeah, so there's. That. I think you're right. Um, shall we do some more? I mean, like we're almost at the forty minute point, Mike. I mean, there's. We could do plenty more. We can make this last the whole the whole summer if we want to. Um, we can make this the two-parter pod already, yeah. and that will be done podding for the week. So why don't we just keep going, and then I'll I'll figure out a point when it makes sense to okay to jump off. Um, let's do. A thir- or, or do you have to go? I mean, no, I, probably I know, have to I know you have a hard stop at twelve thirty. That's what I was saying. Yeah, but I don't want to lose. We have like so much. My thing is, is like we have. I want to get to all of this, and I, it would feel anticlimactic if we. No, a two-parter for each of these? Come on. I mean, like, I have, yeah. we could do a whole other episode on just James Harden, Bradley Beal, like the same way we just did. Shh, shh. Don't tell people my secret. Okay. Yeah. 